Hey guys, Andrew here. Real quick note before we start the show, something very cool that I just announced on Twitter and I wanted to make sure you, the listener, get to hear as well. And that is the very first ever Roll for Charity D&D streaming game, which will be coming to you guys live on Friday, July 10th at 6 Pacific time on twitch.tv slash Roll for Persuasion. We have an awesome, awesome cast lined up. I will be playing. I'll be joined by Anjali Bamani, Brian W. Foster, Jenny D, Adam Bradford, and the game will be DM'd by a friend of the show, Joe Nuzo. So we've got a fantastic cast. It's going to be a great game. We're going to be raising funds for Together Rising, which is just a fantastic charity. You can check them out at togetherrising.org. But it's going to be super cool, so make sure that you are following at Roll Persuasion on Twitter so you can see the updates. We're going to have character art, character descriptions, lots of cool stuff coming out. You, the listeners, will be able to impact the game with your donations. It's going to be so much fun. I am super excited. Like I said, that's coming at you Friday, July 10th, 6 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash Roll for Persuasion. It is the Roll for Charity D&D streaming game. So please make sure you guys check it out. And until then, enjoy the show. going on everybody andrew here with another episode of roll for persuasion your weekly podcast where we talk about nerdy things with nerdy people and the nerdy stuff they're doing in their nerdy lives that's a brand new tagline i just made it up on the spot but i think it might stick because i feel like it kind of nails the whole aesthetic of the show as you know the show is brought to you each and every week by my fantastic sponsors at awesomedice.com they make dice the dice are awesome and if you go and buy from them and use the code roll persuasion you will get an awesome 10 percent discount and you will support the show Awesomeness all around. They do make really cool dice. I have quite a few of their uh, shiny math rocks in my bag of dice right now. So definitely make sure you check them out. Awesomedice.com. They're always coming out with cool new designs, new uh, materials. So if you love dice like I do, you should check them out. And we appreciate them supporting the show. That's awesomedice.com. Use the code ROLLPERSUASION at checkout. Very excited to introduce my guest today. She is super cool. She writes about super cool things like Star Wars, comics, other nerdy things. But some of my favorite things that she writes are puns, which are always very fantastic. Uh, I'm very excited to be joined today by Kelly Knox. Kelly, what's going on? Hi, thanks for having me today. Yeah, thank you. And, and I am not joking when I, I think I started following you on Twitter because somebody retweeted a Star Wars pun and I was like, I need this in my life. Let me go follow her. <laughs> oh, I've been... I've been posting one a day since uh, March, I guess, since the, the lockdown, the quarantine started. Yeah. Yeah. I, I decided that there was too much uh, negative things on Twitter. So I, I one day I told a joke that I had been thinking about a Star Wars joke. And then it just kind of went from there where I started posting a dad joke every day. And they're not all good. Well, that's the whole point of a dad <laughs> joke is exactly. it doesn't have to be good. It just has to happen. Do you ever run into pun joke writer's block? Oh, all the time. All the time. But I do it. It sounds ridiculous now. And my husband just shakes his head at me. Every I do it the night before. So mm. I'm not panicking the day of. So that you'll see smart. me like trying to figure out a joke. You know, around dinner time. Someday I'll do that with the show where I edit it the night before instead of panicking an hour before I'm supposed <laughs> to post it. But yeah, so thank you so much for joining the show. For people who might not know who you are, 
just give us a quick rundown of, of what you do and, and the stuff you're into and kind of the content you're putting out into the world. Sure. Uh, so I'm Kelly, Kelly Knox, and I'm a freelance writer for quite a few sites. It starts to sound ridiculous when I list them out, but it's uh, Star Wars, DC Comics. Uh, I've done a few things for Marvel, mostly DIYs and crafts for kids. Um, I do those for Star Wars as well. And where else? Nerdist, Geek and Sundry. And IGN. I knew I was forgetting. <laughs> that's, so, that's a solid list. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so how did you, how did you get into, into being a freelance writer in general? Um, cause I know for having been a freelance photographer in my past, uh, before I stopped doing that, I know that it can, it can be overwhelming to be self-employed and freelance in a creative field where you're kind of always hustling for the next client and all that. Yes. Um, how did you get into it? Uh, so I actually started, well, I worked in the video game industry um, for f about five years, and I did community management and some content writing there. Uh, and then we got an opportunity to move up to where we live now in Seattle, and I stopped working because our daughter was born at the same time. Uh, and then a couple years into it, uh, the whole mom blog craze was kind of taking off. So I thought, oh, I could kind of, you know, take some time for myself and start doing that. And so the very first work I did was a blog called Geek Mom, and I contributed for free. You know, it was more of a the experience thing, but it, sure. it really helped me learn to manage my my time and still do all my parenting stuff. And um, eventually, I got more comfortable with writing, and I started to see. Uh, well, first of all, it calls for writers on uh, on social media, but it was actually. Star Wars that found me because I had done a bunch of Star Wars crafts for Geek Mom and for my own. I had started a blog uh, of my own like little kids crafts. And so they approached me about starting to write uh, for them. And I said, sure, I'll do crafts, but I can do other stuff. <laughs> so it kind of it kind of went from there. Yeah, I, that's actually interesting that you say that. Do you do you find that you are sometimes pigeonholed as like a, a craft writer like as far as like content people request from you, is that something that you feel like you have to work against to write non-craft things? Or does that kind of just all work itself out? Uh, mostly works itself out. I mean, there's a lot of parenting stuff, but like for DC Comics, all my work is on their middle grade um, books, which are really, really great. Yeah. Um, so, but I enjoy that space because for when I, when I was a kid that age, my daughter's age now, she's 11. Like I loved reading those kinds of books, so I don't really mind covering that now. Yeah. And then for Star Wars, it I did kind of that branched out, and then um, for other sites, it's not parenting at all. So I think I've kind of balanced it out. <laughs> yeah, well, and and your crafts too, because I've looked at them on StarWars.com are super cool. Oh. Um, and, and like I actually I have a bookmark folder of a few of them. My daughter is two, um, so yes. I've just started kind of doing crafting. But I'm like, yes. okay, how you know I want to introduce you to Star Wars in a fun way. And uh, some of these are really awesome. So I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of being able to do that with her as she gets older. And so um, you guys can go to Kelly's Twitter, which we'll, we'll link in the show notes and we'll mention later. But you can check out all the cool different stuff that she has written. So Star Wars, you, you're clearly not just, you know, writing about this stuff. You're a fan. And I can say that because I see various Star Wars stuff behind you, which all looks uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And well, and, and you can't see my whole, uh, and I've mentioned this to people before. I have a wall to wall shelf of, of star Wars action fleet ships, um, above oh, cool. my, above my workspace. So all about star Wars myself, but how did you get into, into star Wars into you know, geeky stuff, if you will, what was kind of your first introduction 
to that kind of fandom or genre? Um, I can say that it was because my parents had recorded them. And this shows my age, of course, but they had, you know, VHS tapes recorded off of HBO. And that's how I started right. watching Star, <laughs> Star Wars. I would put it in uh, the VCR all the time, um, which is how I, I think I really just kind of fell in love with it. Uh, yeah. I don't even know why. I don't even know why they recorded it. Cause I'll ask my dad now, like, were you really into star Wars? And he's like, nah, like, oh, <laughs> lucky for me. How, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my earliest memories at the movie theater is seeing return of the Jedi. Uh, I think ET was probably the first movie I saw in the theater, but I remember yeah. clearly seeing return of the Jedi. Cause the film strip back then it was on film strip. It broke in the middle of the movie. Oh my gosh. And so the whole audience started like yelling at the, so that, that moment is, Kind of seared into the, the right. memory. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, just grew up reading comic books and Stephen King and, you know. Oh, I love all Stephen that. King. Yeah, I don't know why as a kid Stephen King feels like a little bit rebellious. Sure. Uh, but it's still so, so good to get into. Um, so yeah, I just kind of kind of went from there. Yeah. So uh, I'll put you on the spot then. Do you have, uh, do you have a favorite Star Wars movie? Uh, the first one, New Hope, is New my Hope, favorite. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just a bit of nostalgia and just uh, everything about it. But um, Empire's a close second. Sure, I think Empire sticks out. For, I mean, obviously, it's a great movie, but it sticks out for me. It was the first Star Wars movie I saw, um, mm. and so like my very first Star Wars memory is of Luke like flipping out of the the carbonite chamber, and like me as like little I don't know five or six year old thinking jumping that high must be really cool, and like and that was it. I was I was done from then. So. Um, it's cool to have like those childhood experiences that then kind of ground a thing that you love and enjoy and even work in for the rest of your life. Yes. I mean, part of it's the nostalgia, part of it's appreciating like the storytelling and the, mm. the whole theme of hope is really important for me. So yeah. I think that's why I've always, it's always stuck with me. So have you ever been able to attend one of the Star Wars uh, celebration Events. I did last year. <sighs> last year was my first one. I know okay. last year was my first one. Uh, I worked it a little bit and then, but we mostly went as a, a family. So yeah. uh, that was, it's quite the experience. Cause I've been to a lot of uh, conventions that I'm guessing you have too. And you think, Oh, it's just, it's just another convention. It's fine. But sure. It is nothing. I mean, I've been to Emerald city and PAX here in Seattle every year and just the size and the amount of people and yeah. the, like the rush to get to the booths, like it's completely, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. I remember um, I was, I was a member of the official Star Wars fan club uh, as a kid. So I would mm -hmm. get the, uh, the, the magazine, what was it? Bantha tracks. I don't remember what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember at some point after, I guess it was after all the prequels had come out at some point, they like discontinued Star Wars celebration, I think like mm -hmm. it went on hiatus. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, I don't know, I guess it was in middle school or junior high. I, I'm, I'm not sure what date it was, but I just remember being heartbroken because I was like, I'm never going to get to go to this convention and then it's back. And so I'm hoping, you know, it's still there after uh, COVID and all that. And with all the content they're bringing out now, it seems like a surefire um, thing that will be. So fingers crossed that someday I'll still be able to live out yeah, that childhood no, dream. I yeah. bet you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, let's keep talking about Star Wars then. Um, do you, do you have to like, like for your writing stuff, do you have to or feel like you have to stay on top of any new Star Wars content coming out, whether that's books or comics or TV shows? Or do you kind of just get, you know, pick and choose what you're going to be 
aware of because there's a lot uh, there yeah you're right there's a lot now um i i do but i would i would probably be on top of it anyway if that makes sure yeah yeah um see i don't feel any real i guess if you're asking i feel like i feel like work pressure to keep up with it not really because like i said i would probably be it's something you do naturally anyway yeah. yeah um and again thank goodness for Twitter. I can't believe I'm saying that, but social media makes it so much easier to keep sure, up with yeah. what's going on. So what are, you, what are your kind of thoughts of uh, the new stuff that's come out recently, whether it's like the Mandalorian or, um, you know, Rebels or Clone Wars, which I haven't watched Rebels or Clone Wars. So I feel like a bad oh. fan. I know that's what everyone <laughs> says. I'm like, I know, I know. Um, so it's on my list, especially right. now. I think some of it's on Disney Plus or all of it's on it's Disney all, Plus. It's all there. Yeah. Both shows are on there. So, so I have yeah. no excuses. Nope. It's all complete um, and ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've watched, I've watched Mandalorian, but I haven't watched any of the animated stuff. So they, some of the best stories are in the animated stuff. And is it cool? I assume that your daughter then gets to uh, watch some of that as well. She is, uh, is, she, is she into it or not? Which she know, is kids not aren't always into what we're into. Exactly. It's sometimes because you're into it. Right. Kids are not. So uh, when she was, you, you have a two year old, she was yeah. into it then. And that's actually how we started, because like you said, introducing her to the characters and stuff, that's mm -hmm. that's how we actually started crafting Star Wars stuff. She would wake up at like 5 a.m. and I oh, think wow. I would be like, well, now what are we going to do? And so I yeah. would start coming up with uh, crafts for us to do together to show her some Star Wars things. But um, the older she got, she just started to admit that uh, not, not, not really for her. Yeah, she actually enjoyed um, Solo was her like most enjoyable oh, yeah. Star Wars movie experience. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. It was, I think it was the easiest for her to kind of understand. Yeah. Um, cause like Phantom Menace lost her as soon as all the trade Federation stuff came up <laughs> right. and I was like, no, this is great for kids. And she's like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> <laughs> Intergalactic <laughs> politics are, are engaging and accessible for, you know, eight year olds. <laughs> but the, once we got past that part, she was, she was a lot more. She was more to it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so solo is her favorite. So, well, speaking of your daughter, you guys recently played in a, a D and D game, an mm -hmm. online streaming game with D and D beyond, uh, called roll in the family. I think, was it four sessions or six, more than that? It was six. six episodes, six episodes. So how did that come about? And, and how long have you been playing D and D and like everything around that go? Okay. <laughs> I'll direct you a bit. You're good. Crack, crack my knuckles. Yeah. Let's get started. Uh, so trying to think where to start actually to answer your question. Uh, I'll start with the role in the family. So that was uh, Adam Branford, who is the, I think he's the VP over at, at fandom and D and D beyond. Uh, he approached me a couple weeks into quarantine. I don't know if we call it quarantine or lockdown or whatever it is. A couple weeks into it, he uh, uh, called me and asked if we would be interested in doing the live stream. And if, at first, like my instinct was to say no, uh, cause I'm not a super, I, I followed D and D for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't played it as much as I felt like somebody on a live stream should. If sure. that makes yeah. Sense. yeah. So my instinct was to say no, but then he told me, um, first of all, it's for charity for uh, direct relief, which is an organization that's helping, uh, with the doctors and nurses fighting COVID. Yeah. So that was a good incentive immediately. Uh, and then he said I could do it with Maddie, my daughter. And so that right there, both of those just kind of sealed the deal. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about how, because I had never actually said her name on the internet or showed her picture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked about, um, go ahead, like getting 
comfortable with that and how we could do right. safety and how they and they absolutely knocked it out of the park. They made sure the moderation was even more attentive than usual and made sure it was completely completely safe experience for all the kids. Yeah. Uh so we did um session 0 uh with uh Dave B Dave Walters and Adam Bradford and their kiddos and the DM is Brennan Mulligan and he is just so good. <laughs> so good. Uh so we had Brennan uh, lead us through session 0 and then uh we started I guess six weeks ago, and we just wrapped it up on Thursday. So they they did a really good job. Everybody who worked on it did a great job. So, so uh, you said you hadn't played much D anD D before, um, and had your daughter played any at all? Uh, she actually had. She they they ran a D anD D club at her elementary school. Oh, or they very did. Cool. Yeah, and so she had gotten in. Uh, she did actually was interested in D anD D. So I started to get into it. But I had played like 10 years ago. I didn't have a great experience, and so I didn't really follow up. And mm-hmm. then, um, gosh, is it five years ago now? Critical Role started up, and I started watching it. Uh, and so I started to get into it a lot. And she, of course, would, you know, walk in on it. And then I'd always be like, get out. They're going to say bad words. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but she she found her own interest in it that way. And then we played uh, one or two games with my sister. She DM'd for, for my daughter. And so that... Yeah. She really started, Maddie started to get into it. So she joined her D&D club and she ran some games for her friends. So she's, she's really enjoyed it. So you were a little kind of uh, hesitant, like you said, to kind of get started once you actually played a session or two. And now here you are, you've done, you know, six of these streamed episodes, kind of looking back, like, like what was the experience like? Um, well, it's funny. We were... I was talking to Maddie after we had finished it up and I said, you know, I have to tell you, you're never going to have as good of a D&D experience as we just had. Like, I'm sorry, the rest of your life, nothing else is going to measure up. It's like the first vacation you went to Disney World and after that, it's just like county fairs. Exactly. I was like, well, Brennan's an amazing storyteller. He gets so, like, he's fearless. He gets into it and Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if she could have had a better experience playing yeah. that way. Do you think you would ever do it again? Uh on a live stream? Probably. Um, you know, I have um so I had said I had admitted on social a while ago, like a few months ago, that I hadn't really played as much as I wanted to. So some uh friends here in Seattle uh invited me to play with them over brunch a couple times. And so that's um Kat Kruger. She's uh the DM for D twenty Dames. And oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she she invited me and uh Jason Burroughs, he plays uh Adventure They Wrote. That's his that okay. he produces their podcast. It's a uh actual play. So already I had, you know, two great <laughs> two great teachers to help right, get yeah. me through like actually I knew a lot about the game, but I, I hadn't actually played a lot. So they all the credit to them for helping me get over being nervous and yeah so uh yeah if i hadn't had that experience i probably would not have said yes sure yeah (laughs) that makes total sense yeah so it was it's nerve-wracking but if you don't first of all you don't keep twitch open you don't look at right right you (laughs) you don't don't look at chat keep keep one eye on chat that i feel like that would be too much i tried streaming just me talking the other day and it was overwhelming i was like okay i don't know if i ever want to do like a full weekly that that seems overwhelming yeah sure. so i i knew better to like than to even attempt that and um 
I wouldn't look at the YouTube comments either, but Maddie can't resist. So every once in a while she'll run in and tell me like, so-and-so said this on the com. I'm like, great. I don't want to look at it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you forget all that. You forget that yeah. the stream has started and you just kind of listen play. and play. Yeah. So it was a great experience. I'm really, really happy we did it. That's awesome. I am, uh, I am playing. Well, when this one, our episode airs, uh, it will have been several weeks ago, but in the current timeline, uh, I'm playing in a stream game tomorrow for the first time ever. <gasps> and like, so I am going through this whole like, oh my gosh. And I'm, yes. a, I'm a pretty like extroverted person. I've done theater. I love public speaking. Like I, so I was super excited about the idea until somebody actually asked me to do it. And now I'm like, you know, just totally, you know, in my head. So I'm hoping it will be fun. It should be silly and ridiculous, but uh, yeah, I'm feeling some of the same kind of jitters myself right now. Yeah, having having Maddie and the kids, the other kids on there kind of helped with that because sure, yeah. uh, I kind of focused a little more on helping them learn instead of concentrating on the, well, what if I don't know how this spell works? You right. know, like I was a lot less afraid to make a mistake. Yeah. And Brandon was so good about guiding the kids through how they played. He had their character sheets up and he would help them. And I don't know, it was good to kind of focus on that. I think otherwise, yeah, I'd be. Guy would have been a wreck. <laughs> so what's really cool about um, you guys doing role in the family is that, and I'm sure I'm wrong, but to my knowledge, what I've seen kind of publicly out in the world, there's not a lot of actual plays uh, featuring kids or that are, you know, quote unquote, a safe space for kids. It's all, you know, understandably, I think, because there's a barrier to entry. Um, it's all adults, you know, very often, like you said, you know, probably like cussing or, you know, stuff that isn't always like kid friendly. Mm-hmm. Um so it's really cool that you guys were able to like do this and, and introduce your kids on different levels to not just playing, but like playing publicly. Um, so what was, what was Maddie's experience like looking back on it? Uh, it sounds like it was, it was a positive one, but you know, having been in essentially an online production, you know, what, what was that like for her? She was, I mean, she took it all in stride, strangely. Like, um, I don't know, maybe if it's just her generation kids sure, now are just yeah. used to seeing everything. Kids these days. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're so used to consuming that kind of content that I think to her, it just kind of felt natural. And, and like I said, she's seen me watch Critical Role and other live streams yeah. so often that to her, it didn't seem very odd. She was only, I noticed a couple times she, she was afraid to ask what a word meant. She sure. didn't want to look. Like she didn't know what was going on. So I tried yeah. to keep that. We had this whole conversation about scrying and all the grownups knew what that was, but none of us thought. Oh, we should sec- explain that. Yes. And so after that particular episode ended, I had started to get that feeling and I was like, did you know what was actually happening? And she said, no. And so, uh, that kind of taught me to keep an eye on their reactions to see if they actually knew what was going on. So they could get yeah. a little afraid to speak up for that kind of stuff. Um, but like asking what the dice were, I mean, everybody has trouble with that kind of stuff. So she didn't seem too, too nervous about that, but it was a good, it was a good experience just to, uh, to see how, how she tackled problem solving. And, uh, I don't know. I, I could just tell she really enjoyed the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. They said, uh, one of the other, kids that we played with was so sad when it ended that she cried and Maddie oh, keeps yeah. asking me like, well, are we going to get to do it again? So I can tell they all had a good, they yeah. all had a good time. That's really cool. And it was really, you know, uh, props to Adam and D and D beyond for making that happen. I've mentioned this, uh, Adam's been on the show previously and anytime I 
basically anytime I talk with someone who has interacted with Adam, they have almost word for word your story. And it starts with Adam approached me at blank <laughs> with a cool idea. <laughs> and so I, I just like to, to constantly, you know, kind of toot his horn, um, for doing stuff like that and seeing those opportunities and, and then going out of his way with, you know, the, the resources he has to make them happen. So, yeah. um, it's super cool that you guys got to be part of that pivoting off that a little bit Sure. and feel free to take a pass on this one because it's a parenting question. Because I, as, as a parent of a daughter, uh, you know, young toddler, right, my wife and I have made the decision you know, for the time being to, to not put her on the internet. Mm-hmm. We don't you know, share her name. Her name is on the wall behind me, but I turn my camera so people can't see it. Mm-hmm. And some people get that, some people don't. Um, but you mentioned kind of having a, a, a somewhat similar approach, I think, with Maddie. What was that, as a parent, what was kind of that process like for you, either talking with her or your husband or internally about like, okay... Know, now is the time where maybe she gets to make a decision about her online presence, if you will, right. because that's down the road for me. But who knows what the Internet's going to look like in eight years? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you actually you nailed it. It was um, I was kind of waiting for her to be an old enough age to make the decision for herself, for her name and her picture to be out there. Everybody always jokes about like, oh, you don't want your future employer to Google you and come up with like random baby stories and pictures. So that was that was kind of how it started, but also, um, like I said, I worked in community management for a while. And so I had already kind of had the idea that I didn't want her name and face out there just, just for safety. And then just for her to make those decisions when she was comfortable and old enough to make the right decision. So, uh, I, when we got the opportunity, I went and talked to my husband and he shrugged and said, this was always here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your concern so if you feel like it's a good time yeah. so um but that was uh when adam called me that was one of the main topics right. uh, was you know he told me that they had already discussed it and uh lauren their community manager was going to step up on the moderation and then so yeah they made sure that we all felt comfortable immediately yeah. uh and brennan had done um during the session zero he talked to each kid about what they felt like safe with or uncomfortable with. So mm-hmm. the whole process, I, I can't say enough good things about um, D&D Beyond and how they made sure it would yeah. be a good, safe experience. So I, I love, I love that idea of using D&D as a tool, um, not just to teach like creativity. Like I ran right, right before quarantine lockdown. Um, I ran a game for a, a group of junior high kids. My friend is a teacher at a junior high school and I guess they were all, They'd like essentially won like an in-class contest and the prize was to get to play D&D. And it was definitely like, it was fun to give them a place to like, you know, creatively express themselves and explore, you know, storytelling opportunities. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea too, that it can be used as a vehicle for teaching safety and self-expression and, you know, a safe place to stand up and say, Hey, you know what? I don't feel comfortable with this mm-hmm. or, or answer questions. Um, and, and like we were kind of saying, it's almost kind of unexplored. Territory. I mean, obviously people play with their kids in their home games, but I think there is something good about putting that out publicly, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 year olds, they're all online younger than that, I'm sure. Um, and so having something that they can go see and see, Hey, there are people who are like me playing this game. Here's how they're being treated. That's how I should be treated. Here's them having a voice. I should have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think it's a really cool and kind of an unexplored avenue for Dungeons and Dragons. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was really fun seeing the kids themselves uh, interact. In uh, 
in the Zoom chat, you know, you can uh, have that pop up at the bottom during during the call. Like Maddie had to roll for something and she was really nervous. And the other kids started texting in the chat. Nobody else could see it. Like, you got this. You could do this. You're going to do great. And I was trying not to, like, (laughs) read it or make a big deal. But, like, it just the messages just kept popping up as the kids kind of cheered each other on. And I think the harder part maybe for parents who are players already is learning to step back. and Like, because you play Mm -hmm. differently with kids, like... You could tell Brennan as the DM was trying to give each kid the time to shine on yeah. their own and feel like they were contributing. And all like Adam and Dave also made sure to, you know, say the other kids' characters' names and work them into the what was going on if they were getting quiet. So I think you yeah. definitely have to adjust your play style, but the experience for the kids is just it's so much better and so fun. Well, I am, you know, for one, very hopeful that D and D Beyond or, or whoever kind of continues. Um you know, this opportunity for like for kids. I remember uh, when I was growing up, I always wanted to be on the PBS show Zoom. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> you just, it was it was like it was like and it was a big thing, I guess, in the 90s, like like kid shows of like kid actors, mm-hmm. you know, doing like whatever. And I was like, that is the coolest thing. Look at, you know, they have opportunity and agency. Obviously, that's not how I was thinking of it. But looking back, I was like, oh, look, they have, um, you know, control and they get to make decisions and they get to have friendships. And, uh, and so I think it's, you know, I think it's kind of cool that, you know, there might be an opportunity to do that with D and D. And so, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see in a couple of years, if that's kind of a genre or focus that other people pick up and run with and kind of make a cool safe space for kids to play, um, publicly and and interact with other kids. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Like you said earlier, I don't, can't think of any other live streams or actual plays that have, have done it with kids. So part of it. It's probably the scheduling. And again, that's where the the quarantine came in. Right, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I hope, I don't know, her, her cousins, they're all, she had, uh, they're all six years old and younger. They all live in Texas, but they all watched her every week. They got super into watching their cousin Maddie play D&D yeah. and now they're all into it and they, they drew pictures of her character and, you know, it oh, was really, awesome. yeah, it can really be a good, like not just your immediate family, but like you can really involve friends. And yeah, so it was a really, really good experience. I hope other kids get to, to play. Yeah. I had on, um, back in December, I had Dr. Megan Connell on the show and she's a a psychologist who does, um, I don't know if you're familiar with her on Twitter. Um, but she, she does D and D group therapy essentially. And so she has girls, uh, I think kind of that teen, preteen age mm-hmm. who are in her group therapy sessions and they play D&D and they utilize that, you know, for communication and processing, you know, life experiences and trauma and all this stuff. Um, and I was really struck from talking with her about what a great tool it was for that. And, and so I just think that um, it kind of, it lets you separate a little bit from reality mm-hmm. and not, and, and not in a, uh, an over like over escapist way where it's like, okay, well now you've detached, but just enough where you can step away from yourself a little bit and, and be a little objective. Um, and I think, you know, as a parent of two years, I'm an expert on this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's good for kids to have. I, I think it can be good to give them tools to process and speak about what's going on with mm-hmm. them without, you know, them having to say, you know, sit down and be like, ABC, this is what happened in my day you know, kind of giving them a little space to express all that. So it, it's the potential is very cool. I think I want to take a quick moment here to talk about another one of my fantastic sponsors, Talon and claw, you know them cause I talk about them and cause they make 
awesome, awesome stuff. They have they have so much cool stuff going on. Anthony um, over there at Talent and Claw, also up in Washington. I was going to say Seattle, yeah, like me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just making up some cool stuff. He and I message probably every day about the cool different things they have going on. At the time of recording, it'll be over when you hear this, but they're in the middle of a whiskey barrel dice vault Kickstarter where they're making these cool dice vaults made out of whiskey barrels, and, and it's super cool. They've got some great uh, Pride Month dice vaults that they're doing right now and they've got even more cool stuff on the horizon that i can't talk about but might be out by the time you hear the show so definitely make sure you check them out talonandclaw.etsy.com at talonclaw2 on twitter um so much cool stuff that they're doing if you use the code roll persuasion at checkout again you'll save 10 percent and you'll support the show but more importantly you will be supporting a small business and small creator in our community which i think is awesome and uh you Kelly, you've been nodding. You're familiar with Talon and Claw. Yes. Like I said, um, they're local, so I, I'm yeah. keeping an eye on them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, they told me they would love to hook you up with one of their dice faults as a thank you for being a guest on the show. <laughs> so we will uh, <laughs> we'll connect afterwards and we'll make sure that you have some Talon and Claw on your desk and in your game uh, next time you get to play. Oh, so you can't see me, but I'm blushing. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they, they're they're awesome. And they I love that they support our show and they support our awesome guests. And we do whatever we can to support them because rising tide raises all ships is a quote I just made up on the spot. Um, but yeah, Talon and Claw, we love them. Make sure you check them out. We appreciate their support on the show. So let, let's, talk, let's talk nerdy stuff again. Real okay. Quick. Not that we've stopped at all. So, so obviously you're a Star Wars fan. We've talked about that. You've been playing D&D. Is there another kind of like nerdy thing you're into or is that kind of like at the top of your, your geek list, if you will? As a kid, it was Star Trek. Not so much now, but I did get to write one piece for them. So that was, that was knocking off a, a bucket list check. Yeah. <laughs> uh, looking around my room. But. Right. Or is, it, or is it still, or is it still really kind of mainly Star Wars? Do you f- still kind of have that same love and enjoyment that maybe you did growing up? Uh, yeah, I would say mainly Star Wars. My Maddie, my daughter always jokes that uh, Mother's Day and birthdays are super simple for her and my husband. Cause they can just get me <laughs> anything Star Wars and I'll be yeah. happy. Uh, yeah. I mean, not just, not just because of work, but I still, sure. I still really enjoy it. So, Well, I asked you that to ask you this. If you have one, mm-hmm. what, is your, what is your most controversial Star Wars opinion or take? Uh, I told you my top two were A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. My number three is actually Phantom Menace, which is not... I agree. <laughs> which is not a popular opinion, but uh, it is absolutely my number three so see okay see that's that one that's a good take because it is controversial you know all of the uh all the internet fanboys are angrily spitting their doritos out right now typing angry uh youtube comments um (laughs) but no phantom menace is a really good movie and the further i get from like the initial like backlash and internet hate Mm -hmm. the more i just have positive happy feelings about them did have issues sure yeah they did all it have, do. <laughs> yeah, they all do. Did it have the best lightsaber fight and one of the best villains of all time and fantastic acting from Liam Neeson and uh, Ewan McGregor. And like, and I thought Natalie Portman was so good. Like I, that, and that was the, the first Star Wars movie that I saw um, in theaters outside of when they re-released mm-hmm. the, uh, the special, special editions, editions uh-huh. which was like, I don't know, it was just different. It was seeing a new Star Wars movie. It was lining up at the movie theater. So I love Phantom Menace. And yeah, Jar Jar was whatever. Um, but I don't know, it's such a good movie. What, what do you what do you like about Phantom Menace? Because most people 
don't share this opinion. So I'm excited no. that somebody does. So, <laughs> so tell me, tell me, tell me everything. Uh, so I guess starting with the experience, cause that's, I was still in college. So that was way before any sort of work stuff with star Wars. Uh, like you said, it was the first new star Wars movie. I remember watching the first trailer, like over and over and over again, trying yeah. to get every little clue out of it. Uh, which is funny cause I'm the opposite way now. I don't, I want to know less going in. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I stood in line back when you had to stand in line to get in the movies. Right, or like, with a paper ticket. Exactly. Yeah. If people had to hold your space in line, it was must have been eight, ten hours that I yeah, waited to see yeah. that. Uh, and then I saw it, and that was the midnight showing, and then I woke up and saw it again at 10 a.m. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just starting with the experience, and then later uh, working for Star Wars when we uh, did the, the 20th anniversary last year, I did a lot of research on the making of it, and just the, mm. I mean, the things... You don't realize the things they came up with, I mean, just for Star Wars in general, but for Phantom yeah. Menace, like digital filmmaking and in Jar Jar, he wasn't the first completely animated character, but he's the first one that was done really well. Well, yeah. Um, there's that little factoid going around because of Mandalorian about how it has the most miniature work out of all the, yeah. all the Star Wars films, like just, and then the world building and everything, like everything that they they did in the prequels. I felt like they did it the best in Phantom Menace. So if you yeah. haven't, anybody listening hasn't watched um, Dave Filoni talk about the Phantom Menace in the making of the Mandalorian documentary series. Ooh, okay. It, he, he's the whole documentary stops for about five minutes while he tells you why the Phantom Menace is so important and so good. Oh, I saw, I saw that game tweeted about a lot and yes. I hadn't watched yet. Okay. It will. I mean, it's such a cliche to say you won't watch it the same way again. But it, once you listen to, to Dave Filoni explain yeah. why it's such a pivotal. He's talking in particular about the duel of the fates and the, the mall lightsaber mm, fight. But yeah. just the whole how it sets up everything, how Phantom Menace sets up everything in Star yeah. Wars. You'll listen to his speech and yet you won't watch Phantom Menace the same way again. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely I'll definitely go watch it then. Like. I I don't know I that movie just thinking about evokes such joy because for me um, I was what it came out in ninety nine mm-hmm. okay so I was ten years old and so it was like right at the epitome of like just like childhood joy and love exactly. and I was just at that point where I could start like collecting things uh-huh. like let's go to let's go to Taco Bell and get all the Taco Bell toys and then we got to get all the Pepsi cans and like you know like all all the merchandising that tied in so props to them because it worked. Um, the merchandising was really fun. And so I have, um, I have a collection of the Ralph McQuarrie, uh, lithographs of all of his like, um, you know, concept art and the concept art from that movie was beautiful. And it just, I don't feel like any of the movies since have really captured the essence of star Wars, if you will, for me in the same way, there's just something about that feels still very connected to the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it will always, yeah, it'll always be a top five movie for me. Yeah. Um, which my best friend just says, oh, well, you love Jar Jar. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying The Phantom Menace is actually a good movie. He's like, oh, you just like Jar Jar. I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, come on, man. Like, it's a good movie in there. So um, that's why when I saw Solo, and spoilers if you haven't seen Solo, but it's been years, so get over it. Um, that's why I freaked out at the Darth Maul reveal at yeah. the end. Because I, I knew stuff had happened like in the comic books or I guess in the, in the Clone Wars or whatever. <laughs> Clone Wars yeah. and Rebels. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's what everyone told me after. They're like, oh, yeah, that already happened. I was like, well, I didn't know. So I, I think I think what actually, yeah, if I remember, because I saw the opening night screening of Solo, like he came up on the screen and I stood up in the theater. I just went, holy shit. <laughs> and I, like, looked, I was like, oh, my, my bad, my bad. But uh, 
that was super cool. And so, and because of everything Phantom Menace set up with such an interesting character that you knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. So I could go on and on about Phantom Menace for forever. And maybe I will. Maybe this is a new podcast. Oh, Phantom Menace podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not that bad. Um, Yeah. So, well, then let's flip that around then. What is your, uh, if you're legally allowed to say writing for Star Wars, (laughs) what is your least favorite or not as favorite film and why? Um, I legally, I can say whatever I want. I will say not that it's least favorite, but I, I haven't been able to watch the last Jedi more than once because, uh, Mm -hmm. it was too emotional for me the first time. I got Mm -hmm. so sad, so sad at the end that I have not been able to, I'm trying not to spoil it. I got so sad when Luke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So, so it was emotional for, you know, the scene you're talking about was, was emotional for you. Um, and you haven't been able to go back and watch it. Um, so not necessarily because you disliked it, but just because it was like, Might not it was be a able lot. to handle it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Haven't felt like sobbing lately, so I haven't watched it again. <laughs> that, that is totally fair. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I could seriously, I mean, I could talk about Star Wars all day and, uh, and if you don't cut me off, I will, but I'll, I'll throw out a couple more Star Wars questions. Sure. At you. Um, did you ever, so you've watched some of the sideshows and you know, the, the ancillary stuff. Um, did you ever get into the expanded universe books or anything like that? I did. Yeah. I remember, gosh, was I in high school when the, um, heir to the empire, the Tim, the Zahn books yeah, came yeah. Zahn trilogy. Yeah. I remember reading those. Um, and I stuck, I remember I stuck with them, the books for a while, but eventually yeah. they started to feel too disconnected for me. I felt like sure. the authors were like not all on the same page with the characters and it started to feel like they were one-upping each other i'm sure they weren't but on my you know to me i don't know (laughs) so eventually i stopped um yeah then i worked on uh star wars galaxies which was actually based a lot on um, the novel's characters and locations so um i was still familiar with it but not not reading them as much so i wasn't I wasn't, I didn't have a strong reaction when, uh, they were delegated to legends. So. Gotcha. Sure. I did, but that's fine. No, no, um, that's good. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no. I think actually you're, I think you hit it kind of on the nose. Cause I think that definitely did happen. There's actually, um, I don't remember how it went around, but there was a, uh, somebody sent out pictures or whatever of like the internal, like, uh, Lucasfilm or whatever their publishing branch was. I think they were with Bantam at the time. Um, like directions for Star Wars authors, and was like, it's like you know, not everyone has to be a Skywalker. The the galaxy is big, go and spread out, and all this stuff. And it's like, at what point did that get thrown out the window? Because somewhere in all those books, it was like, oh no, no, everyone's a secret hidden Jedi mm-hmm. and and a clone, and blah, 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 it became a whole thing. So no, I, I think you're, I think it's a pretty correct observation. <laughs> um, but that was definitely that was again becoming a fan for me in the '90s and not having any new movies and not that's knowing even had. then that's all we had. And so it was like, well, this is, this is what I'm going to explore and, and dive into. And there was a great run of, of young adult books. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin J. Anderson and Rebecca Moista uh, wrote some great young Jedi Knights and junior Jedi Knights um, that were really fun to get into for me as a kid. So, so there was great content out there. Oh man. <laughs> so it's the last Star Wars question because um, I'm vicariously living dreams through you right now. No. <laughs> uh, what, what was it like for you as, as a fan and, and, you know, kind of a lover of this media when you kind of first got an opportunity to work in Star Wars? And was that was that Galaxies was your first? It was. Yeah, professionally. So, yeah, I, uh, 
when did that start? 2007, uh, I had the opportunity to move to the community team at uh, Sony Online, which was running um, Star Wars Galaxies at the time. So I uh, started working there, and we worked with LucasArts. They were our partners, so um, I tried not to nerd out too much when we had like our conference calls with them. Um, so yeah, I did the. I worked with the players, which was fun because I had played that game before. I started working on it, uh, and then I did you know the the website stuff, which was um, just you know game game events stuff like that. And eventually, the designers started to let me in on the um, more on the design side and the story side. They let me write like uh, the a background story for a game event and. Uh, mm-hmm. Right before we moved, they had uh, started like an apprentice design program. So uh, I was starting to really get into it on that side of it. Uh, but then we moved to Seattle. So I took a break <laughs> from working uh, to be a parent. Uh, and then uh, I started uh, working, not working, making crafts with my daughter, like I said earlier, yeah. and sharing them on social. And I remember I was, uh, I was at Emerald City Comic Con in a panel when uh, I got a Twitter notification pop up on my phone, it said, uh, hi, this is Lucasfilm, and we want to talk to you about, you know, uh, contributing to the website. And I kept trying to reply to the message, but since I was in the main hall at Emerald City Comic Con, I had no... <laughs> like, no internet? No internet. And so I was like, oh, I was, like, I had been saving my seat for this panel, and I was like, no! Yeah. So I ran outside and <laughs> replied on my phone as fast as I could. And uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's how it all kind of came together. The only thing I remember about professionally working on Star Wars for Galaxies was I did reach a point where it was uh, too much and I had to take a, like, yeah. a, like I couldn't watch the movies for a while. I just didn't want to um, take it home, I guess. But I yeah. haven't, since then, I haven't really reached that point. So, yeah. Yeah. There is that kind of like delicate balance, right? Of um, when you're working in something that you're passionate about. Of, of like at some point it's too much of an overload or, or, or like the lines become blurred between like, oh, this is now generating work stress and what exactly. is supposed to be personal enjoyment. Like how do I keep those yes. <laughs> separate? So it, it's great to be able to recognize that early, you know, before you're totally burned out on something. Yeah. So. Yeah. It hasn't, hasn't happened lately with work, but I think it's because it's not, you know, eight to 10 hour days. Right. Sure. <laughs> so. Do you, do you prefer uh, freelance life versus, um, you know, when you were, when you were doing eight to five, you know, is that, um, or do you miss some of that kind of in the office stuff? I do miss a little of it. Um, but I am glad to be home still with my daughter. Sure. She's getting older. So I'm probably going to start looking for the office life again soon, but well, when everything's different, but, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Listen, these, these might be our offices for the next decade. Yeah. Which is yeah. fine. I'm used to it. So, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade you know that time at home for anything so so one one more question uh before we sign off Mm -hmm. Uh, like i've said you have all sorts of really cool collectibles behind you do you have a favorite or like most special like star wars memorabilia piece oh that's a good question if i hmm i had to pick one yeah, like if the house is burning down and you can only save one thing, your family's safe and any pets you have are safe. <laughs> and the only thing the only thing at risk, somebody has piled all of your Star Wars stuff in a single room and that room's on fire. Oh, That's what we'll do. What is the one thing that you're like, ah, I gotta I gotta get that out? Um probably the Darth Vader helmet behind me. 
Yeah. That's uh, one of the Don Post studios from like oh, 1981. Yeah. Like it's a, yeah. it's pretty old and it's been through like, it's been through a lot. So probably that. That's um, awesome. Trying to think if there's anything else. I think that would be number one. Yeah. Yeah. I asked that question and I have no idea what the answer would be for myself. Um, I, I am very weirdly attached to, I was very into the uh, Star Wars collectible card game mm-hmm. in the nineties that Decipher put out. And so I have boxes of several thousand of those cards in like a sealed box in my attic. I haven't looked at them in years, but like, I'm like, that's probably the thing what I would go gonna save. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have, like you said, like I, if I thought about it for like the next hour, I'd probably have right. a different, I'd have a different answer. Like every few minutes, like, no, but that, that's, that's the thing about <laughs> the fire scenario. It's the first thing that comes to mind. You, you only have two seconds to figure out what you're saving. Yeah. Oh. So <laughs> to be fair though, if you left the helmet in the fire, then it would be kind of like a return of the Jedi That's collectible true. at the end. It would still yeah. be screen accurate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you so much for joining for this episode. It's been, it's been super fun. I've loved getting to chat uh, D and D and star Wars and parenting, like, like some of my favorite things. So, <laughs> um, I really appreciate you joining me. Thanks for letting me ramble a little bit there. That is, that is what this show is <laughs> all about. Um, so where can people check you out online, uh, you know, interact with you if they want to, where, where can they go to find what you're doing? Uh, you'll always find me on Twitter. I am at Kelly underscore Knox. Uh, then you can find my work at nerdiststarwars.com. Just, you'll find it all. Uh, I share it pretty frequently. Uh, and those puns, daily puns, uh, following a Twitter. So yes, that's true. You get, get a lot of content that way. <laughs> Uh, and you can find all six episodes of Roll in the Family on the D&D Beyond YouTube channel. So please check those yeah, out. So yeah, definitely guys check that out. And Patreon backers, of course, do not forget that if you stick around after the outro music, Kelly and I will continue chatting. Uh, she mentioned that she just watched some anime, which is not a thing that I am into, but I want to be. I just don't know where to start. So maybe we'll chat a little bit about anime. I'm excited to hear about that. That segment, the Zone of Truth segment, is brought to you by my third and final sponsor, Smugglers coffee the best coffee in the galaxy uh kelly if you are a coffee and a star wars fan you should check these people out Mm. um because one of my favorites is uh, a blend they call a brew hope which is quite (laughs) delicious um and the artwork is fantastic so you guys know i love smugglers they have been a friend of the show since literally day one so we appreciate having them around you can check them out store.smugglerscoffee.com delicious barrel aged coffee brews dark brews Uh, tomb of caffeination is another one i like to talk about very delicious stuff. So make sure you go check them out. Store.smugglerscoffee.com. They bring you that zone of truth segment for my Patreon backers. And speaking of Patreon, if you have enjoyed the show and do you want to find a way to make sure it keeps happening, you can go to patreon.com slash roll for persuasion where you can support the show. Um, there are some cool things like the bonus segment. You get to interact with me on Patreon, which uh, I guess is kind of cool. And uh, some other cool things. I like to hook up my supporters with dice every couple months. Um, it's just a cool thing. If you want to be part of this community and the show and support the work I'm doing here, I certainly appreciate it. So patreon.com slash roll for persuasion. You can follow me on social media at roll persuasion on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to email the show, you can email Andrew at roll which is also the website you can go to to check out and find all the links to subscribe and follow the show. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser.com. Those reviews help more people find the show, which helps us keep finding cool guests like Kelly and all the other awesome people that we have had on. Big thanks again to her and to the sponsors on this show and to you, the listeners. And until next time, guys, enjoy your games. Enjoy your games.